Somebody even asked me one day, you gonna get in folks' business? Yeah, we're gonna get in folks' business. God gets in your business. And he's telling you how to live. And he said, you gotta be different. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's why we're not winning people to the Lord. We can win people to the church. We can win people to singing and to worship, but not to the Lord, because our lives doesn't reflect that. And Peter said, no, things are going to get tough. And when things get tough, you're going to have to know who you are. This is Jerry G. Martin. It's one thing to come to the Lord. It's another thing to take the Lord to the culture around us. It seems like the darkness is closing in on all of us. What a great time for the light of the Lord to shine bright in the life of every believer so we can make a difference in our world. Join us today as we encourage you, the believer, to take the light of the Lord to a dark world. Come and go with us as we walk in the light of God's Word. He said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? In other words, they're going to say, oh, God was talking to you. Right, uh-huh. So what's his name? We don't want to be put in a situation when somebody asks us something and we can't answer it. Is that what somebody said? I'm a little intimidated. I don't know. I don't know if I know enough. That's what he's saying. I don't know if I know enough to be able to react properly or to respond properly to those who might ask me something. And so there's nothing unusual about what he's thinking because we'll think the same thing. I, the reason I don't want to say anything because I don't want anybody to ask me one of these uh, theological questions. So what is your position on soteriology? Don't worry about that. Okay, you got to do like the blind man. I don't know about all that. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. I was listening to a minister today, and he was talking about a guy that had just got saved. This guy was a, become a great evangelist, and he was telling his experience. He said, I got saved, and when I got saved the first day, I went back the next day and said, I'm saved. He went to the minister and said, I'm saved, but what should I do? And the ministers say, well, the next thing you need to do is you need to go witnessing. So they went door to door the next day. He said, I don't know what to say. He said, just tell them what happened to you. And he said, I went to my brother-in-law and just knocked on his door and said, God saved me. Man, he's really saved my life and things are a whole lot different. I don't feel the same. And his brother-in-law got saved. He had so much enthusiasm and so much joy about what he was doing. And he said, so he just started telling everybody the same thing. He didn't know nothing. He said, I ain't know nothing. But what happened to me? Did anything happen to you? Or have you forgotten? That's the only testimony you need. Something happened to me. Or oh, y'all been saved so long, y'all done forgot. Well, let's see, what happened? You can just sing that old song, something got a hold of me. I went to the church one night and my heart... Okay, y'all don't even know the song. Okay. I'm just trying to give you some practical steps. We've made this too difficult. It's not that hard. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's not intimidating. The devil done sold us a lie to keep us quiet. He done told you, you ain't saved enough. You're not holy enough. You're not righteous enough. Why are you trying to tell somebody? 
Then Moses said, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? In other words, they say, you don't know what you're talking about. And then he said, oh, Lord, after all of that, he said, oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I've never been eloquent. And that's what we'll say. Lord, I don't know exactly what to say. I don't know how to put this together so that I can convince somebody. Just excuses. And if you read that passage, God just uh, clicked off of all those excuses. If they ask me who sent me, God said, tell them I am sent you. I'm not eloquent. Okay, okay, well, I tell your brother to talk. He talked better than you anyway. So just go. When we recognize our own burning bush, which means, and all of us have a burning bush, you know what that means? It means that something becomes obvious to you that God may be involved in this. Listen to that again. Something become obvious to you that God may be involved in this. Somebody walk up to you and ask you on your job, are you a Christian? Don't just say, why are you asking me that? And then somebody else comes up and asks, I'm having a hard time reading the Bible. Well, go get your app. No, that's a good time for a Bible study or one-on-one discipleship. I was trying to read the Bible, but it just don't make sense to me. Don't just think that they're just doing that. That was kind of odd. That's a burning bush. You need to look at that. When something seems like it might be odd, something keeps occurring that might be coincidental in terms of things of God or somebody asking or opportunities coming up for you, then uh, look at that a little bit further. Move a little bit closer and say, Lord, what are you wanting to do here? Your friends keep calling you. They don't know exactly how to ask you, but they want to say something about the Lord or something about church, and, and they just kind of timid because they don't know how to move forward. That could be a burning bush. Ask a little closer and just begin to examine that a little bit. Is God speaking through these events? God speaks through circumstances as well. God may be speaking through some recurring events that's happening in your life. Is God working or arranging things through the activities that I'm observing? Is he arranging something? I'm looking. Let me tell you this, God will, he'll keep on trying to give you some clues and hints and he knows how to nudge you, but he's not going to keep nudging and nudging and nudging and you do nothing. Those nudges will come few and far between until you get to the place where he recognized that you are now available. Anybody ever felt the nudging of the Lord? Now, uh, you may be expecting the Lord to speak to you and you may be waiting for that audible voice. I'm telling you, don't wait for that audible voice. You probably won't hear that one. He's not going to text you. You will not get an email into your inbox from the Lord, thy God, in the King James Version. I am the Lord thy God, and I hearken thou unto me. You will not get that. You will get a nudge and say, why don't you pray for your coworker? That's the one right over there. Everybody that God spoke to in the Bible knew it was God speaking to him. So he knows how to speak to you in a way that you know is him. Would you agree to that? You ever say, no, that's the Lord speaking to me. He knows how to speak to you in a way that you will know is him. You know, in other words, if God wants to work something through you, it's up to him to communicate with you. It's not rocket science. It's not 
mystical where you got to just wait. I got to wait until I hear thunder and lightning and smoke and you'll be waiting. And that might not be heaven, especially with the smoke. The only way to know how to continue to work with this is to take that step of faith and begin to move out and obey the nudging of the Lord. Moses' Christ has called for two things. It called for faith and it called for an action. So sometimes this is how we categorize when God is speaking to us. We'll say, something told me. Won't we say that? Something told me. Well, that something often is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You ever hear the Holy Spirit speak to you or, or you get this thought or this voice about praying for somebody specifically? When you pray for them, then give them a call. Say, uh, um, you were on my mind and I was just praying for you. They might say, you know, I was just talking to God. Say, Lord, just help somebody call me. Somebody pray for me. Somebody encourage me. When somebody come to your mind like that, then pray for them. Don't just say, wonder why they keep coming to my mind. Pray for them. Call them. Follow up on that. And when, when we start being responsive to what God does in our lives, he will minister to us more by the Holy Spirit. What did we say? And God is able to do more than we can ask or think or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And that Holy Ghost power on the inside of us working. You know, I had this picture of the, of the Holy Ghost sitting inside of the believer, sitting inside ready and just anxious and ready to go to work. But the believer hadn't done anything in so long, the Holy Ghost started reclining in the reclining chair because he hadn't been asked to do nothing in a long time because the believer ain't doing nothing. So the Holy Ghost is just sitting there. After a while, he's napping. And you say, I can't feel him like I used to. Well, you ain't been doing nothing. But when you start praying, Lord, I'm available. Lord, I'm your ambassador. Lord, whatever you decide that you want me to do. The Holy Spirit said, Lord, you hear that? Sound like that. We're getting ready to do some work. Then the Lord will start arranging things. He will begin to arrange things so that he can call you in on it. But since you ain't going to do nothing, you don't need him arranging anything. That's the way that works. He's not going to arrange things if you're not going to respond. And he already knows you're not going to respond. And he knows when you're serious. Lord, I don't know what to do. Uh, pastor been talking about being an ambassador. I'm an ambassador, but I have no clue of what I need to do. But I know this. If you could just make it plain to me and just reveal to me what you want to do through me, where I'm going and on my job or wherever, uh, uh, just help me with your spirit. I will respond. If I just know what you want me to do, I guarantee if that's your heart attitude, you're going to start seeing him working around you. So the first thing comes is our willingness our willingness, our earnest willingness to want to be used of God. Not just saying it. God, use me. You can use anybody. You can use me. Singing it, don't get it done. But are you really, really serious about that? God, I don't know. I'm intimidated. I'm an introvert, but I'm still, I'm available. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do. God, God's got that part. He can work that. I, I just need a willing vessel, a willing vessel. And when he recognizes your willingness, he says, all right, that's what I'm talking about. Let's get busy. 
Moses' faith took action. Now, at the end of the story, when they summarize Moses' life in the book of Hebrews, the same Moses that said, what if they ask me about who God is and all of this? Look at what Hebrews says about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover, the uh, sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, Moses got these things accomplished through God working in his life. Exodus chapter 14 we work with God, there are some things that God is going to do and there are some things that we need to do. There are some things that God's going to do, but there are some things that we need to do to become engaged in there. God wants to use our voice. He wants to use our hands. He wants to use our our abilities to get these things done, but he will use his power to make it happen. Moses had gone to Egypt and uh, God worked all the plagues and we, uh, we know the story. Those on Wednesday night service know the story. Moses go and Pharaoh didn't want to let the people go. They go back and forth and back and forth and it took a while but Pharaoh finally got a beat down and let the folks go. As they were going, Pharaoh changed his mind and said, I ain't gonna let these people go. Let's go get them and bring them back. And they're, they're trapped between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. And that's chapter 14 in Exodus. And let's read this. It says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? So even when you're doing what God wants you to do, there are going to be some people that ain't going to like you. So you're just going to have to deal with that. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Well, that's what God told me to do, bring you out of Egypt. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. That's verse 12. They're between Pharaoh and a hard place, the Red Sea. Moses cries out to God. The people um, are crying out to Moses. Moses cries out to God. Look at verse 15 and what the Lord responded to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Well, because you left me stuck out here with these people. Why are you crying to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Move on. There's nowhere to go. We got the Red Sea in the front of us. We got Pharaoh's army behind us. Tell the Israelites to move on. Look at what God told him to do in verse 16. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry land. God said, you raise up your hand and you stretch out your hand. When God gives you an assignment, he's already done everything that needs to be done to make the assignment come through. 
He's already at work. God had already split the Red Sea. All Moses had to do was raise his staff because God says, what the Red Sea got to do with what I told you to do? I told you to go. I'm taking you to a promised land. The Red Sea don't have nothing to do with my ability to get you there. Stretch your hand and get moving. And some of us just need to stretch our own hand because we got that Red Sea. I don't know if God's going to do this. I don't know if God's going to work this out. I don't know what to do. And the people might be talking about me. God said, it's time for you just to stretch your hand and let me do what I do. Stretch your hand. And verse 21 said, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry land with the wall of water on their right and on their left. Then in verse 26, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hands over the sea so that the water may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. And then I want to go down to verse 29. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry land with the wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord has displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and Moses, his servant. There were three times in there God said, you stretch your hands out, stretch your hands, stretch your hands. And I believe he's telling us tonight, begin to stretch your hands out. He's already said in Ephesians 3.20, I'm able to do more through you than you can ask or think or imagine according to the power that's at work within you. We got the power of God that's available to us, that's working with us and in us. And when we have the power of God and we have the plan of God and the purpose of God, we can really get something done in the kingdom of God. Do you want to get something done? Or are you just still so focused on your own life and all your own stuff that you don't have time for God? And Lord, really, I'm just sorry, but I ain't got time for that. We haven't said that to him verbally, but with our lives, what we're saying is, I ain't got time for that. I shouldn't go there. Part of the problem is that we as the pastors haven't really instructed the church as to our primary goal and purpose that God called us. And he called us to be a difference and to be ambassadors. We may come into church, our main assignment. But our main assignment is to get out into the world with the light so that others' lives can be affected by the gospel and they can come to Jesus Christ. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. Moses became a servant of God. And I want you to remember this. Number one, to be a servant of God, I must be moldable and I must remain in the master's hands. I must be moldable. I let the Lord fashion out of me what he want to fashion out of me. And some of the hurt and the pain in the, of our lives is God fashioning us so we can Share with somebody who's dealt with the same thing. Honey, God will see you through that. Secondly, apart from God, I can do nothing. I can't reach people apart from God. I can't be effective in the ministry apart from God. And thirdly, God can do anything through me. Come on, say that. God can do anything through me. Boy, that sounds good. Let's say that one more time like we believe it. God can do 
anything through me. Well, do you believe that? Come on, think about that for a minute and just say that one more time. God can do anything through me. I can't do it, but God can. God can do anything through me. Then fourthly, when I find out where God is, the master, then I know that is where I need to be. When I find out what he's doing, then that's where I need to go and join in with what he's doing in my life. And lastly, I come to know by experience that as I obey him, he accomplishes his work through me. As I obey him, he accomplishes his work, not my work, through me. We hear more people with testimonies that saying, I didn't really have a clue of what God was up to, but as I became obedient, I saw him working in the lives of people around me. And he used my life to do that. Let's pray tonight that God would use us, not only individually, but collectively as a body of believers. Father, I just thank you tonight. I thank you that I can do anything through God who's working in me. God, you can do anything you want to through our lives. Lord, your word said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Father, we as a church can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I ask you to strengthen every believer in this place. I ask you to help us, God, to turn our eyes upon Jesus, turn our hearts toward you. Help us to set our affections upon you and on the things above, not on things of the earth. Help us, almighty God. We are therefore your ambassadors as though you were making your appeal through us. Help us, O oh God, to be available to you. Help us, O oh God, to recognize what you're doing around us. Help us to be sensitive to what you're doing. Help us to be open to your voice and your prompting in our spirit, man. Father, for what you want to do, whom you want to reach around us, our co-workers, our friends our relatives, our associates, our neighbors. Help us, God, to walk across the street when you prompt us to say something to that neighbor we've never spoken to. Help us, almighty God, to go across the hall and speak to that co-worker that we've never talked to. Help us, almighty God, to make that phone call to one of our relatives we haven't spoken to in a long time. Help us, almighty God, to be effective. Anoint us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Right now, God, to accomplish your will today in this place, in this culture, in this city, right now. Raise up the light of the world, Father, to make a difference and influence this culture in our community right now. We thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus. It was Jesus Christ himself who said, you are the light of the world and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he encouraged the believer to take the cover off of the light so that other people can see how God is working in your life and they will want to go to God and give him glory as well. This is Jerry G. Martin and I'm encouraging you who are believers who have experienced the saving grace of Jesus Christ to allow the light of the Lord Jesus Christ to shine bright right there where you are. And we need every light to shine as bright as it can right now to dispel the darkness that comes 
in the way of violence and anger and bitterness and divisiveness in our country and in our community. If you would like to hear today's message again, you can do so by going to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. And I invite you to come and be our guest at The Light of the World Christian Fellowship. We're at 16161 Old Humble Road right here in North Houston. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. Pastor Jackie is in a great series on going back to the basics. For more information, go to our website at lowcf.org. If you're still looking for a Bible bookstore, come to the Beacon Bookstore. It's on our campus right here at 16161 Old Humble Road. If you're looking for Bibles, books, church supplies, or communion supplies, We have them here at The Beacon. Call us at 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you and we'll be with you again next time.